This is Basketball U. On Chicago's Home for Sports, ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. What's up and happy March. Welcome on in to a fresh Basketball U on the ESPN Chicago app or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tyler Aki with you for the most glorious month of the year in college basketball. Selection Sunday a little over a week away. So we're going to talk to Joe Lenardi a little bit later on in the show. And, of course, get you the latest top 12 that I've got as well. We'll get a pulse of the Big Ten and everything else going on in college basketball with Joe in just a little bit. But first, be sure to subscribe to the show. We're going to try to up this thing to two times a week. Now that we are in March, we've got conference tournaments underway. The power conference tournaments are underway next week. Big Ten tournament taking place right here in Chicago. I will be in attendance for that. So looking forward to giving you what I'm seeing from the Big Ten tournament next week at the United Center. Subscribe to the show, rate the show, review the show, all that good stuff, and be sure to tell all of your college hoops loving friends as well because this is the most glorious time of the year in the sport. So we've got the NCAA tournament a little less than two weeks away now, and in about a week and a half we'll be filling out brackets, and when you think brackets, there's only one man that comes to mind, so let's bring him on in. Best in the business, you see him all across ESPN, especially this time of year. Joe Lenardi joins us here on Basketball U on ESPN Chicago. Joe, thanks so much for taking some time with us today. My pleasure. Nothing really going on. <laughs> so th- this is obviously the, the busiest time of year for you uh, with everything that is happening in the world of college basketball right now. But I want to start here in the heartland of where we are in Chicago. That's Big Ten country. And at the moment, your latest bracketology that you tweeted out at ESPN Lenardi has the Big Ten with nine teams in it right now. The Big Ten finale coming up this week and then, and then of course, the Big Ten tournament. But how do you see this shaking out? If you had to guess right now, is there more likely to be 10 teams or eight teams if it's not going to land on where you've currently sit with nine teams for the Big Ten? I think it's more likely to go up than down. Uh, when we do our next update, you know, Wisconsin's still going to be right there as one of the last teams in, maybe the last team in. But Penn State coming off that overtime win in Evanston, Last night, and and Michigan with this late push, they're now among the first four out. So, you know, if Wisconsin were to slide out, chances are decent that they'd be replaced by another Big Ten team, uh, and maybe more than one. So, uh, if if the over and under is, I don't know, eight and a half, uh, I, I'm going to bet the over. Looking at the the Big Ten tournament, which is taking place here in Chicago in about a week from now, which teams, you brought up a handful there, but maybe not necessarily just for bids and not bids, but for even seeding, who's got the most to win and lose from this upcoming Big Ten tournament? Well, let's, let's give the disclaimer right off the bat that there's a lot of evidence, particularly in recent years, that the conference tournaments don't do very much to change a team's seat, uh, even when we think they should, or even if it seems, you know, an obvious kind of thing. If, if, if teams, you know, let's say Illinois and Rutgers, 
right? They're both, you know, in that 8-9 mm-hmm. range. Uh, let's say they play each other, and Illinois hammers them. Uh, logic would say they should move up and maybe out of an 8-9 position, uh, which, you know, is a lot of people's least favorite seed because – you know, you get a 50-50 game to start, but obviously the one seed is, is most likely waiting in the wings. But more often than not, I've noticed in recent years, you know, if, if a result like that happens and I adjust what seems to be common sense, uh, the seeding, it doesn't turn out that way on Sunday night. Um, and what the committee would say is that's one game out of 30 some. So their overall, you know, level is already baked. Uh, I, I would argue then why have the conference tournament? Uh, but you know, I'm pretty sure I don't have a vote, and that they don't spend a whole lot of time listening to me. Yeah. Um, so looking at a couple of teams here locally, Illinois and Northwestern, you currently in your latest bracketology have Northwestern as a six seed. You've got Illinois as a nine seed in the Midwest region for both of those right there. But Northwestern, a team that's on a three game slide here, Illinois has been one of the biggest Jekyll and Hyde acts in all of the sport this year. How do you see that? How do you see, let's start with Northwestern, this playing out now that they've dropped their last three. What do they have to do to make Northwestern fans feel good heading into the NCAA tournament? Well, they're going to be in the tournament no matter what happens. And that obviously is something that can never be taken for granted at Northwestern, given that it's only (laughs) happened once before, right? So, you know, at some level... You have to say, if they don't make another basket this season, it's been an incredible success because they're going to be a single-digit seed in the NCAA tournament, and they're going to wear white in the first game, meaning they're in the top half of a bracket. Uh, Anybody who saw that one coming in October, you know, raise your hand. Uh, having said that, obviously expectations tend to change when performance, you know, exceeds those expectations. And look, all they have to do is win a game, maybe two here, you know, and, and they'll get their mojo back. The schedule's caught up to them a little bit. They're probably kind of finding their true level. Uh, they're not really the second best roster in the big 10, uh, so they're going to probably end up getting a seed that's a little better than their talent, and that gives them a greater opportunity to advance. So I'm still pretty uh, bullish on the Wildcats. On the other side with Illinois, they're a nine seed right now, but are they firmly in the tournament if things start to go south and maybe they're one and done in the Big Ten tournament? Yeah, I mean, these teams can only lose a couple more games, right? Um, mm-hmm. in, in the worst case scenario. Uh, yeah, I, I think they are. Uh, because you have to remember, they are probably eight or ten teams away from the cut line at this point. Uh, so 
yes, they could lose out and and drop you know, a few spots with each loss, but that presumes that everyone chasing them is going to win every game. And we know historically that's not what happens because they're all bubble teams, right? They're all inconsistent or they wouldn't be in that range on the seating chart. Um, so, yeah, I think they're in. I have no idea what to expect from Brad Underwood's team in, in the tournament. I suspect neither does he, uh, because each night it's been kind of a crapshoot. Uh, they strike me not as a second weekend team, but you know, as one whose ceiling is, you know, maybe win one, win a fifty-fifty game to start, and then go out in the round of thirty-two. <laughs> Looking at the one seeds that you've got, these were tweeted out yesterday. You've got Alabama, Kansas, Houston, and Purdue as your top four seeds right now. I want to start with the Alabama conversation for the number one overall seed. How much is that head-to-head win against Houston going to play a factor in the eyes of the committee when they are determining who that number one overall seed will be if it does come down to the two of those teams? It's ironic because head-to-head is frequently cited by people like us in, in, in ranking teams, but the committee historically has said, no, it's not a consideration. It's not a criteria. But then the committee chair at the reveal a couple weeks ago of the top 16 teams at that point of the year said Alabama was ahead of Houston because they wanted Houston which strikes me as pretty logical and common sense if it's close, right? If, if, if we're splitting hairs between two teams that happen to play each other, now, if it was Alabama winning at home, I wouldn't necessarily lean strictly on the head-to-head result. But they went and posted arguably the most meaningful road win in the country this year. And that's why they were at the top of the heap when the reveal came out a couple of weeks ago. Having said that, I think both of them are likely at this point to be passed by Kansas. Uh, I I just can't imagine that at the end of the day when they sit in that room and they look at Kansas, Kansas has 18 wins against the field. 18. Now, I've never seen a number like that. You know, double digits is extraordinary. That's as much a comment on the Big 12 as it is Kansas, but they've now won outright a league that is going to send a record percentage of its teams to the tournament. Um, so, I... I I just think if Kansas wins the Big 12 tournament, even if Alabama and Houston win out, that's going to be another three wins against the field, not counting possibly beating Texas at Texas this Saturday. It it almost would be too overwhelming to ignore. That's interesting there. You talk about almost – 
on the heels of potentially 20 wins against the NCAA tournament field. Very, that is intriguing to see Kansas as a team that could bump both of them for that number one overall seed. Now, on the, the back end yeah, of your one seed, you don't have that many good wins. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, on the back end of your one seeds, you've got Purdue, a team that's lost three of their last four games. When things are all said and done, do you see Purdue hanging on to that final one seed, or do you think a team like UCLA or maybe Baylor or Texas end up winning the Big 12? Do you think we'll see two Big 12 teams or maybe even UCLA take that last one seed? I think the most likely scenario is a Pac-12 team uh, if Purdue stumbles. And, you know, if they reach the championship game, I think they're a one seed either way, if only because of the reality of playing that late afternoon spot Sunday up against the selection show. Like, they have to make a decision on Purdue before then. Now, they can have contingency brackets ready to go with Purdue as a one or a two, and I suppose if if it's a situation where uh, it's Purdue one in the West and the Pac-12 winner is a two, and then Purdue loses and they want to flip it at the last minute, they can do that and make Purdue the two in the West. But, But, you know, that's not how the bracketing rules work. Purdue would then have a choice, not a choice, but priority to be closer than the West as the highest number two so you know i've never seen a contingency bracket come out after the fact from the committee uh some years they claim to have a dozen or more uh i do brackets in my sleep Uh, i'm not suggesting that's normal human behavior but it's kind of what the job is and uh i think it's much more likely that purdue will be baked into whatever their spot is determined to be sometime Saturday afternoon. Joe, appreciate the time. Uh, Best of luck. Get some sleep this March, too. We we appreciate you hopping on the show today. You can find all of his work on Twitter, at ESPN Lenardi. He's tweeting out brackets all the time there and and seating there. And then you can also, of course, find his bracketology work on ESPN.com. Happy March, Joe. Thanks a lot. Tyler, catch you later. All right, awesome stuff there from Joe Lenardi. Appreciate him hopping on the show today. Let's get you a new top 12. I didn't do it last week because the last time we talked, um, we were with uh, Drew Carter. So I actually haven't given a top 12 in now two weeks because the week before that we had the the top 16 reveal. So I picked who the top 16 teams were going to be. Didn't have the exact order right, but I did have all 16 teams correct in that. So... Um, let's get you the top 12 here. Of course, we start from uh, bottom to top. Number 12 on my list, the Tennessee Volunteers, a six-spot drop from three weeks ago. The number one defense in the country still had a nice win against Arkansas on Tuesday, but it wasn't without some damage. Zakai Ziegler, their point guard, torn ACL, done for the year. You know, you can't be losing the heartbeat of your team, your point guard, at this point in the season. I wouldn't be surprised if Tennessee is a 314 or 413 upset when it's all said and done. 
That's how big of a loss this is for the volunteers here. But Tennessee, the, the metrics love them. Number four in Ken Palm right now, despite having eight losses. But they are my number 12 team in my Tyler's top 12. Let's go to a team that wasn't ranked in the, my last top 12, and that is the Gonzaga Bulldogs. They're playing some great basketball right now. WCC tournament about to get underway. And if you look at the odds on FanDuel right now, Gonzaga minus 145 to win the WCC. You're not going to get better odds on them in almost any year ever. And that's because St. Mary's has been pretty good this year. But the Zags just took down St. Mary's the other day. I'd imagine those two teams will meet in the WCC championship. But this is the number one offense in the country right now with Gonzaga. Eight 100-plus point games currently. I don't have the exact stats, but I'd imagine that is the most in all of college basketball this season. I guess the, the one bummer if you're a Zags fan... Uh, Drew Timmy did announce that this is going to be his last season. He did have one year of eligibility left if he wanted to use it, but Drew Timmy will not be returning. This is his final season, and, and he's been on a tear. In February, he's averaging 21 points and seven and a half boards. So Drew Timmy, a great college basketball player, but this is it. This is his swan song here. We'll see if he can take Gonzaga to a title here moving forward. Number 10. Oh, this is a precipitous drop here. The Purdue Boilermakers, nine spots down my former number one team when I did this a couple weeks ago. No team has a better chance of getting a two seed while simultaneously having a 0% chance of winning it all. This Boilermakers team has lost three of their last four now. They blew a home game the other day over the weekend against Indiana. They likely will win the regular season in the Big Ten by a couple of games, multiple games. They've already locked it up, but now it's, all right, by how much are you going to win the Big Ten regular season? I, I look at Purdue right now. They, in all likelihood, are going to win this by multiple games, but I don't think they're the best team in the Big Ten right now. I think that honor actually goes to Indiana. The, the Boilermakers, even though they got trounced the other day against Iowa on their home floor, I still like the prospects of what Indiana can bring when they are at their best. They just need to do it with a little more consistency right now. And that, to me, is a little bit of a flaw in their game. But if Xavier Johnson comes back for the tournament, there's some rumblings that he could be ready in, in time for the Big Ten tournament. We'll have to wait and see. But if Xavier Johnson is ready for the Big Ten tournament, this could be a completely different Indiana team because right now they kind of need that ball handler right now. They look all out of sorts, especially when there's presses on and especially when they go against physical teams like Iowa, like Michigan State, like a Northwestern. Those are their last three losses. If they can figure things out from a physicality standpoint, they will be in good hands. But Purdue, not sold, do not think they can win a championship, despite the fact that they do have the best player in college basketball with Zach Eady. Number nine, it is the Texas Longhorns, who have hit a bit of a slide as of late. They have lost their last two, but back-to-back -back road losses to Baylor and TCU, tough to penalize you a whole heck of a lot. That's not an easy stretch there, and it's also the first time this season that Texas has lost consecutive games. Super impressive given the conference they play in, that being the Big 12. So 
my whole thing with Texas, don't lose momentum here. I don't want to see you lose three games on the way out. It's going to be tough. You got a, a home game against Kansas this weekend to close out the regular season, but that's a game that I would pick Texas in if we're, we're doing the whole picks thing here. So I like the Longhorns over Kansas this weekend, but they, they have to, to win this game. or Otherwise, they're not going to be a part of my top 12 when we get to next week leading into the conference championships. My number eight team, another team within the confines of the Big 12 and playing some fantastic basketball right now is the Kansas State Wildcats. They were not ranked in my last one. They were in the middle of a slide the last time I did this. But they are quietly playing some great basketball right now. A four-game winning streak with wins against Iowa State, Baylor, and at Oklahoma State. Right now, if you look at the coach of the year race within college basketball, not in the Big 12, I'm talking nationally, it is a two-horse race between Jerome Tang and Shaka Smart. And what Jerome Tang has done this season, nothing short of spectacular for a Wildcats team that is really connected defensively, top 15 there. And they, they're beating good teams this year. Like, the, you look at, I've brought this up before, but only a handful of teams have can say that they have beaten the top six teams within the Big 12 right now. I guess it would be top five teams because you're, you're plucking one team out because they are one of those teams. But they've beaten Texas, they've beaten Baylor, they've beaten Iowa State, and they have beaten TCU. Um and I, I think that when you look at what this team has put together this year, I'm really impressed with what Jerome Tang has done in a league that's been as competitive as it's been. That's why I'm giving him the slight edge over Shaka Smart. However, the the counterpoint there is Shaka won his league comfortably. So it will be a, an interesting coach of the year race here as we come. We're upon award season now within college basketball. Number seven, uh, a three-spot drop, and that is the Arizona Wildcats. Devastating to lose on a half-court buzzer beater at home to your rival, but this Arizona team should have never been in that situation where it could come down to a half-court buzzer beater from Desmond Cambridge over the year. Here's my thing with Arizona. When they're at their best, I think they are as good as any team in the country. But there are some weird losses this season, some really weird losses at home against Washington State, at home against Arizona State, at Stanford, at Utah. There's just some oddballs in there, and it kind of breaks up what could be these long winning streaks, especially within conference play right now. You know, they, they finished the year at USC, at UCLA. And it would be so Arizona after a loss at home on a half-court buzzer beater to Arizona State for this Arizona team to now go out and win these final two. It would be so Arizona. And it would even further be so Arizona if they lost their first game in the Pac-12 tournament as well after sweeping the L.A. trip. So interesting close to the season here. I think if you're Arizona, you're gunning for a 1-1 one and one to close this out. Uh, these are two tough games against two tournament teams, in, in my eyes, with USC and UCLA. So Arizona, my number seven team. My number six team is where we find the Baylor Bears right now. Baylor's been playing some solid ball as of late. Home win against Texas the other day at, uh, over the weekend and then uh, against Oklahoma State on the road on Big Monday. You know, if a team is humming, 
I don't think there's anyone that I want to face less than Baylor. You've got five guys that are shooting at least 35% from three. Number two, Ken Palm offense. They're a prime candidate to win the Big 12 tourney. And when this team is knocking down threes, you feel absolutely lifeless and helpless. That's how good Baylor can be. I'm a big fan of, of Scott Drew. And this is a team that I picked a couple of weeks ago to win the Big 12 outright regular season. That's not going to happen, but... I do think that this Baylor team has what it takes to win the Big 12 tournament down in St. Louis later on next week. So look out for them as maybe a sleeper play heading into the Big 12 championships. I shouldn't say sleeper play, but you could get some solid value. They may be the best value on the Big 12 board. My number five team, the Marquette Golden Eagles. You know, Marquette right now ranked 11th in Ken Palm. They're up to six in the AP poll as well. Five-game winning streak, including a big road win against Creighton. That was really impressive to me. Um, They also have a home win against Xavier in that. And they're kind of coasting to the finish line here with their final three games of the season. Home against DePaul at Butler and then home against St. John's to close things out. They've wrapped up a Big East outright regular season, humming with the number four offense in the country right now. You know, Tyler Kolek is not the best player in the country. He's not the best player in the Big East. But no one means more to their team and their team's success than the Golden Eagles point guard, Tyler Kolek. He's averaging 12.5 points, 8 rebounds. He's been fantastic this year. He's shooting almost 40% from three as well. You're not going to find a a better captain of the ship right now than Tyler Kolek in the Big East and maybe even in the entire country at this point. However, I won't have confidence in this Marquette team until I see Shaka win his first tournament game in a decade. He's 0 for his last six, and five of them has come as a single-digit seed, which is what Marquette is going to be this year. And it kind of scares me in in an era of college basketball now where Marquette very feasibly could get a two-seed. If they win the Big East Championship uh, at the Garden next week, this will be a two-seed, Marquette. And with the way that we've seen the 215 upset kind of come to the light as of late, like Marquette's a team that's not very good defensively. They're great offensively, but is Shaka going to kind of crumble? on the big stage again. He has not had... Everyone talks about the the Final Four that he's brought, but he has not had the tournament success. So until I see that out of Marquette, I'm not going to believe in them as a tournament contender, as a, a team that can really make some noise and some damage in the dance. But once I see that, then yes, this is going to be a, a great team. I, I, I really have liked what I've seen out of Marquette this year. Number four... I go to the UCLA Bruins, up a spot from a couple weeks ago. You know, I've said it with a couple of teams in terms of the the conference and winning the conferences. You're going to win your league by not shooting yourself in the foot. And that's exactly what UCLA has done. In conference play, just a two-game losing streak near the end of January against two good teams. Really, the only two teams that are going to the tournament outside of UCLA in the conference, um, Arizona and USC. Both of those games were on the road as well, and were on the back end of a three-game road trip as well. This UCLA team has won the battle of attrition 
They're currently riding an eight-game winning streak, all of which have come in conference. Again, nothing spectacular that they've done necessarily. They have had some good blowout wins, but nothing spectacular in terms of the opponents that they've faced. They do close out with a, a double home stretch against Arizona State and Arizona. But with this UCLA team, the only thing holding them back from being my number three team right now is the strength of schedule. They're 40 spots back of the next team that I'm going to get to in a second. But when I look at the odds on FanDuel right now, all right, I think UCLA is the best value for an NCAA tournament champion on the board right now at plus 1,000. You know, I like to get the, the quadruple digits when I'm looking for tournament value. And maybe I'll do this on uh, my, maybe after Selection Sunday. I'll try to find the best value because then we have paths and everything like that. But UCLA, in my eyes, is the fourth one seed. I know for some bracketologists, they're still in on Purdue as that last one seed. But UCLA is my final one seed right now with a chance to even move up if some of these teams don't win their conference tournaments. But for me, the best value right now on the, the FanDuel odds board, plus 1,000. This team right now, number two in Ken Palm. They're balanced. They're the number two defense, 22nd best offense. I really like what I see out of UCLA. I think they are a strong, strong tournament contender. They've got a star, they've got a point guard, and they've got a coach, and that's a trifecta that is oh so crucial to March. All right, let's move on here. Kansas is my number three team. They're on a six-spot bump. They're riding a seven-game win streak right now in the Big 12. That's the longest in the conference this season. They have locked up back-to-back Big 12 regular season championships, and they're going to try to defend their conference tournament title next week. A couple close calls this week for the Jayhawks when you look at what happened the other night against Texas Tech and then West Virginia over the weekend. Both of those games being decided by four or less, and both games were at home as well. But they're still playing as good of basketball right now as anyone. Daywan Harris, and we talk about point guard play. Daywan Harris, the leader, the starting point guard on a championship team a year ago. He's got at least five assists in each of his last five games. So the Kansas Jayhawks, my number three team right now, they look destined for a one seed in this year's tournament. Then we'll wrap things up. Or Actually, we've got our final two teams here. Houston, my number two team. Alabama, my number one. I'll get into the rationale here of why. So Houston, they are riding a nine-game winning streak right now. And during this nine-game winning streak, their average margin of victory is 24 points. To me, Houston, I know, you're not going to necessarily wow me with who you beat, right? Because the opponents are, are not much to, to write home about. But the, the fashion in which you beat them, this is a team that is going out and blowing teams out, demolishing them right now. They are on a rampage. And a lot of it is on the heels of what Marcus Sasser has done in the month of February. Over his last five games, Marcus Sasser, the best point guard in the country, is averaging 22 points on 47% shooting from three. That's extremely significant because right now there's some players that aren't holding their weight and pulling their weight right now um jairus walker being one of them he struggled a little bit over the last five he's averaging eight points per game on 20 percent from three over the course of the season he's about a 35 percent three-point shooter um 
But Jairus Walker is going to be their X factor that can make them a national title team. He's a freshman, so that's a lot to put on the, the shoulders of a freshman. But I do think that Houston, and what, with what Sasser is doing right now, and I, I love Kelvin Sampson as a coach, he has this team playing defense as hard as anybody right now. You're signing up for 40 minutes when you're going against Houston, and that is a lot of what you need when you do get to the tournament and you can try to put some teams away early. Um, right now, the only team in all of college basketball that currently sit inside the top 15 in both Ken Palm offense and defense is the Houston Cougars. They are number five at each spot right now. So I love those prospects right now. Houston, I've long been on them since the start of the season as my, my pick to win it all, and I still feel just as confident in them as we head into the final stretch here. That gets to my number one team, Alabama. I'm still giving them the nod because they have the head-to-head victory over Houston. Going to be interesting to see how the committee looks at that head-to-head between these two teams uh, in a game that did take place back in early December. But they clinched the SEC last night. It's their second SEC championship in three years in dramatic fashion in overtime against Auburn. Cannot lose to Auburn on your home floor, as Al, as Adam Abdallah texted me last night. Um, listen, I, I do want to address the, the Brandon Miller situation. We, I talked a little bit about it with Drew Carter uh, last week on the show with the initial stuff, but there, there's the second part now where he did the, the handshake line against Arkansas over the weekend, and it was captured on film that he did the the pat down with his teammate as he was walking through the the handshake line in the pregame introductions you got to be smarter than that listen maturity accelerates when you are put in the spotlight doesn't matter what you're in whether you're a music sensation whether you're an athlete college or pro especially in the era of nil the spotlight magnifies and the maturity has to accelerate when you're given that sort of opportunity and advantage. And right now, Brandon Miller is in, there's a cloud hanging over him, obviously, with what has transpired over the last couple of weeks with him. You got to be smarter than that. And I know Nate Oates came to the the forefront and said, I put the blame on myself. And I just want to say, Nate Oates, that, that, is, that right there is a sign of leadership, but I do think it's a sign of unnecessary leadership. I I understand the coach has to take the fall for the behaviors and the shortcomings of a team. I get that. But Nate Oates is never watching these pregame warmups. He has no idea that Brandon Miller has been doing that all season long, right? Like how many times do we see a coach on a a broadcast, right? They they show the players going through the the pregame handshakes and then it's a quick camera shot to the coach, Nate Oates, or any coach in America, and they're not paying attention to that stuff. They've got their nose in their clipboard drawing up some some plays or diagramming something that they're going to use during the game. I, I get Nate Oates coming to the defense, or not defense, I should say, taking the fall for what Brandon Miller did, but this ultimately lies on the shoulders of Brandon Miller. That is not for Nate Oates to take ownership of, even though he is the head coach of the basketball team. Um when you look at the what Alabama has done on the floor since all of these allegations and police reports have come out, some close games, some really close games. And for an Alabama team that has a lot of drama within the program right now, 
and maybe a lot of heads are in different spaces in the moment or at least during the week they're they're out and and not fully in on the 40 minutes of basketball or in some cases 45 minutes of basketball that they're playing they've played in some close games uh, a two-point win against South Carolina in overtime when they were on the ropes on the road against the Gamecocks, a three-point win over the weekend against Arkansas, and then in comeback fashion, overcoming a double-digit deficit against Auburn last night. So they've been close, but I will say I do think this is a good thing for Alabama because I talked about with Houston how they have been blowing teams out by 24 points. This Alabama team was doing that in the SEC for most of the season, winning games by an average margin of 21 points. I was given the stat out. It felt like every single week, 21 points. And it pretty much stayed like that until the Tennessee loss. But I think it's good that this team is getting a little battle tested now, heading into the SEC tournament and heading into the NCAA tournament. It's a good thing, I think, for Alabama, who has won their second SEC in the last three years, and both of those coming under Nate Oates, who has won the SEC regular season two of his four seasons here and has a chance to pick up his second SEC tournament title as well. So going to be a lot of fun there in uh, all of conference championship. Champ Week's upon us. It's it's here, first of all, and then you get into the Power Conference championships next week. So looking forward to all of that. All right. Thanks so much for joining us here again. We will be back two times a week. Looking forward to talking college hoops with all of you as we are currently in the thick of the most glorious month of the college basketball season. It's going to do it for us today. Thanks to everyone for listening. Be sure to rate, review, subscribe, tell your college hoops loving friends as well, and we will talk to you next week. Yeah.